of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham. Chapter 25, Segment 1. The oddest of Philip's masters was his teacher of French. Monsieur Ducros was a citizen of Geneva. He was a tall old man with a sallow skin and hollow cheeks. His gray hair was thin and long. He wore shabby black clothes with holes at the elbows of his coat and frayed trousers. His linen was very dirty. Philip had never seen him in a clean collar. He was a man of few words, who gave his lesson conscientiously, but without enthusiasm, arriving as the clock struck and leaving on the minute. His charges were very small. He was taciturn, and what Philip learnt about him, he learnt from others. It appeared that he had fought with Garibaldi against the Pope, but had left Italy in disgust when it was clear that all his efforts for freedom, by which he meant the establishment of a republic, tended to no more than an exchange of yokes. He had been expelled from Geneva, for it was not known what political offenses. Philip looked upon him with puzzled surprise, for he was very unlike his idea of the revolutionary. He spoke in a low voice and was extraordinarily polite. He never sat down till he was asked to, and when, on rare occasions, he met Philip in the street, took off his hat with an elaborate gesture. He never laughed. He never even smiled. A more complete imagination than Philip's might have pictured a youth of splendid hope, for he must have been entering upon manhood in 1848, when kings, remembering their brother of France, went about with an uneasy crick in their necks, and perhaps that passion for liberty which passed through Europe, sweeping before it what of absolutism and tyranny had reared its head during the reaction from the revolution of 1789, filled no breast with the hotter fire. One might fancy him, passionate with theories of human equality and human rights, discussing, arguing, fighting behind barricades in Paris, flying before the Austrian cavalry in Milan, imprisoned here, exiled from there, hoping on and upborne ever with the word which seemed so magical, the word liberty, till at last, broken with disease and starvation, old without means to keep body and soul together, but by such lessons as he could pick up from poor students, he found himself in that little neat town under the heel of a personal tyranny greater than any in Europe. End of segment one. Chapter 25, Segment 2 Perhaps his taciturnity hid a contempt for the human race which had abandoned the great dreams of his youth, and now wallowed in sluggish ease. Or perhaps these thirty years of revolution had taught him that men are unfit for liberty, and he thought that he had spent his life in the pursuit of that which was not worth the finding. Or maybe he was tired out, and waited only with indifference for the release of death, one day, Philip, with the bluntness of his age, asked him if it was true he had been with Garibaldi. The old man did not seem to attach any importance to the question. He answered quite quietly, in as low a voice as usual, Oui, monsieur. They say you were in the commune. Do they? Shall we get on with your work? He held the book open, and Philip, intimidated, 
began to translate the passage he had prepared. One day, Monsieur Ducrot seemed to be in great pain. He had been scarcely able to drag himself up the many stairs to Philip's room, and when he arrived, sat down heavily, his sallow face drawn, with beads of sweat on his forehead, trying to recover himself. "'I'm afraid you're ill,' said Philip. "'It's of no consequence.' But Philip saw that he was suffering, and at the end of the hour asked whether he would not prefer to give no more lessons till he was better. "'No,' said the old man in his even low voice. "'I prefer to go on while I am able.' Philip, morbidly nervous when he had to make any reference to money, reddened. "'But it won't make any difference to you,' he said. "'I'll pay for the lessons just the same.' If you wouldn't mind, I'd like to give you the money for next week in advance. Monsieur Ducros charged eighteen pence an hour. Philip took a ten-mark piece out of his pocket and shyly put it on the table. He could not bring himself to offer it as if the old man were a beggar. In that case, I think I won't come again till I'm better. He took the coin without any more than the elaborate bow with which he always took his leave, went out, Bonjour, monsieur. Philip was vaguely disappointed. Thinking he had done a generous thing, he had expected that Monsieur Ducros would overwhelm him with expressions of gratitude. He was taken aback to find that the old teacher accepted the present as though it were his due. He was so young, he did not realize how much less is the sense of obligation in those who receive favors than in those who grant them. Monsieur Ducros appeared again five or six days later. He tottered a little more and was very weak, but seemed to have overcome the severity of the attack. He was no more communicative than he had been before. He remained mysterious, aloof, and dirty. He made no reference to his illness till after the lesson, and then, just as he was leaving, at the door, which he held open, he paused. He hesitated, as though to speak were difficult. If it hadn't been for the money you gave me, I should have starved. It was all I had to live on. He made his solemn, obsequious bow and went out. Philip felt a little lump in his throat. He seemed to realize in a fashion the hopeless bitterness of the old man's struggle and how hard life was for him, when to himself it was so pleasant. End of segment two.